Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. On a dark desert highway. <laughs> Some of you will not be able to get that song out of your head for at least the next hour and perhaps the rest of your day. On a dark desert highway. But it's not cool wind in my hair. On a dark desert highway, the hot breath of God is blowing through the crowds at the River Jordan. In a desert at a riverbed, miles below the city of Jerusalem, just a few miles above, John brings revival. John brings a revival that is mighty, powerful, popular, attracting crowds, popular enough to attract detractors who are suspicious of what he's doing. Instead of cool winds in the hair of the people, there are hot winds of change. And it's always been like this for the people of God recorded in the Scriptures. The story of the Bible is one great exodus and return, exile and return, rebellion and restoration, going this way, getting turned around and going the right way. Over and over again, God's people found themselves, lo and behold, where God had not asked them to be. Israel found itself enslaved in Egypt in the days of Moses. And God rose up Moses, a prophet, to lead them out of slavery. And it took them 40 years without a single highway in the desert, wandering among the threats and the thirsts of the wilderness until the land of plenty and promise. But over the centuries, Israel's growing kingdom became split and divided among itself. And then these divisions went faithless in worship of other idols and gods. If having one god named Yahweh is good, why not have ten gods on your side? And the people of Israel turned their backs on the Lord. And one kingdom after another fell to the punishment of a foreign nation in conquest. The northern kingdoms removed by the Assyrian Empire, scattered abroad. The southern kingdoms, including Jerusalem and the very temple of God's presence among the people, toppled the people defeated by the Babylonians and the cream of the crop of Israel, all their priests and scholars and leaders taken captive in exile to Babylon. And God would raise up new prophets like Daniel and others to announce a new thing. When the prophet Isaiah, which Andrea read for us earlier, when the prophet Isaiah declares a high, about a highway in the wilderness, he's not just talking about a future John the baptizer who's going to preach in the wilderness. But he's talking initially to a people in exile in Babylon. And the comfort is, comfort, comfort my people, the time has come where God is going to prepare his way in the wilderness. And he will come and bring you out of exile and home to his land for you. God himself will level the path between bondage and freedom. And now when John the baptizer comes many centuries after 
the latest exile and return in Israel's story. John's words are loud, and his message is hot. It's not a refreshing, cool wind on a dark desert highway drive. And John does not have a hotel that you can check into. But instead, he has the people standing fully exposed in the elements, getting baptized into the River Jordan, confessing their sins. John has a mission. Just in case the song is already out of your head, I think about where the Hotel California song ends up at the end of the song. A woman says, we are all just prisoners here of our own device. That was written before the invention of the cell phone, by the way. We are all just prisoners here of our own devices. And then the very last verse, last thing I remember, I was running for the door. I had to find the passage back to the place I was before. Relax, said the nightman. We are programmed to receive. You can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave. And then the guitar solo kicks in. Because you cannot leave the Hotel California once you are a prisoner of your own device. You can check out, but you can't leave. It's programmed to receive only. And this is what's happened over and over again to God's people. That their sin has programmed themselves to become captive to lovers less wild than God. Captive to idols that don't deliver on their promises. To deliver themselves into sources of good, sources of comfort, sources of refuge that are not the Lord God. And lo and behold, they can never leave without the intervention of God, his advents to them, his arrivals, through a word of a prophet and the intervention of outside help. Let's look at how mercy <coughs> channels a course through the wilderness, channels a course through John's ministry. Let's look at how mercy leads us home. Consider the math of mercy in the beginning of our Isaiah passage today. Here's how math works in the kingdom of God. Comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term. Her penalty is paid. She has received from the Lord's hand double from all her sins. This is how mercy's math works. It's like the Apostle Paul told the Romans, the gift is not like the trespass. The restoration is even better than what came before. The grace of God doesn't just restore what we had before, but brings us into a new creation, into a new relationship that we could have never imagined before exile. The math of mercy is not for God to begrudgingly give you back what you used to have once you've paid the penalty. But it's for God to find us suffering the consequences of our own device, trapped in a hotel we can't leave, 
and to bring us out to double the freedom we had before, double the mercy that we could love much because we've been forgiven much, as Jesus told the scandalous woman who anointed him for burial. Mercy's math doubles what came before. Mercy's geography is very similar. This desert highway, notice there's quite the, the construction going on. I mean, the ancient world figured out how to build pyramids, and we haven't quite figured out how they figured out to build pyramids. But nevertheless, they never turned wilderness mountains and wilderness valleys high and low, flattening them out and making all the rough places of a desert straight and smooth. They never figured that out. But this is what mercy's geography does. It creates a level praying field. That everyone came down to the River Jordan with John. Some, of course, did come in suspicion, but most came and they all went in the same river. There weren't different sources of river for different folks. Mercy's geography created a level praying field. Anyone praying and crying out for mercy is going to find God ready to give. It's a house of mercy instead of a hotel California, instead of a dark desert highway that leads you to captivity. It's a glorious highway where God's breath finds its way to our heart. And John says, it's even better than I've introduced. John says, I've baptized you with water for the forgiveness of sins, but there is one coming after me. I'm just the warm-up act. After me comes somebody I'm not even worthy to be their servant, removing their sandals when they arrive. He, the one who comes after me, will baptize you with Holy Spirit. But John's mission is first to redirect God's people, like every prophet did before, usually at the loss of their own lives. John is called to redirect people to say those words of Isaiah 40, here is your God. And at first that word, here is your God, makes you uncomfortable. Because John, and Mark's gospel is pretty quick and to the point, but Luke and Matthew give us a little more of, math, of John the baptizer's sermon. Let's just say John, in calling the people to repentance, is presenting to them, here are your gods. Greed. Violence. Fill in the blank. Here are your gods. And John redirects them to say, who is your God, truly? John redirects the people away from the self, away from sin, away from shame, and away from sensationalism. I mean, he was a sensation. King Herod had heard about him and wanted to know more. He was a sensation. And to this day, we get caught up on things that are viral sensations. But John would lead away from the sensation of himself. In John's Gospel different John. Speaking of John the baptizer, John says, Jesus must increase, I must decrease. John's greatest gifts were a long bony finger to point to Jesus and a big wide open mouth 
to make sure the attention is on the one that comes after him. So John says, here is your God, and Jesus comes to him to be baptized. In January, we'll consider the baptism of Jesus, but for now, let's just point out that when John welcomed Jesus to the river, John thought his work was done. Hey, the mightier one is here. And Jesus, rather than says, okay, John, thanks, I'll take it from here, Jesus says, I would be baptized by you. Baptize me. And John says, no, 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 no. I've been telling everybody you're more powerful than me. I've told everybody I'm not fit to take your shoes off and wash your feet. I've been telling everybody you're going to bring the Holy Spirit. It's going to look really odd if I now baptize you, the one who's greater than me. And Jesus says, this is the way it ought to be. Because of this, listen to this. Because my mercy, because the mercy that Jesus comes to bring. Oh, yes, it is mighty. Oh, yes, it is more powerful than what John has been bellowing in the wilderness. But his mercy is so mighty that it stoops to identify itself with the sin of the world. That Jesus would come before John and say, here's the mighty one among you. I see that the river is now full of the sins of Israel. All these folks who've been baptized into this river. I want to be in last when the bathwater is dirty, when the river is completely sludged by sin. Because my mercy comes by bearing sin, not by keeping it at arm's length and shunning it, by taking it on myself. This is the work of Jesus. This is why mercy is much more than mild as we sing with the heart the herald angels sing. Peace on earth and mercy mighty. Because Jesus is mighty enough not just to meekly say, mildly say, those sins are really bad. You've got to make better choices, folks. Jesus comes mighty and says, I'll take it from here. Give me your dirty river water. It's mine now. And Jesus' messengers have a different job than John. In fact, later in the Gospels, Jesus says, John's the greatest person ever born of a woman. But the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John. So Jesus loves his cousin John. Their mothers are really good friends. But Jesus says, as great as John is, he came to bring the law. He came to bring the heat. He came to bellow out our sins. And Jesus comes to bring mercy. And Jesus gives us his mercy so we could become messengers of mercy greater than John. This is why Isaiah in our, in our prophecy today says this. A voice says, cry out. Well, what shall I cry? People are grass. And the grass withers and the flower fades. But then Isaiah says, Get up to a high mountain, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem. Lift it up. Say to the cities of Judah, Here is your God. Here is your God. You can kind of see both sermons in one. 
Tell the people like John the Baptist did, how's life as withering grass going? I see you've lost a few petals off that flower bloom. It's okay. You weren't built to live forever such as you are. But here is your God. He's coming. He's coming mighty in mercy. And as our passage in Isaiah finishes, when he comes with that mighty mercy, lo and behold, it's a shepherd caring for an injured flock. It's a shepherd gently leading the mother sheep. It's the mighty mercy of a gentle shepherd. This is what God's mercy is like. The math doesn't make sense. God gives us far more than we deserve. The geography doesn't make sense. It's a completely level praying field. God's messengers, although we don't quite look as strange as John, nevertheless, the world finds our message at odds. Mercy should have no place in a world of justice. And instead, we have this mighty mercy of Jesus, the lion who is a lamb, the Lord who is a servant. I pray that you would understand that he serves you today. He calls you home to his mercy. He calls you home with that mercy that is mighty enough to save by taking all that imprisons you to your own devices. Take it all on his shoulders on the cross. On the third day, being raised by the Father through the power of that Holy Spirit. Being raised on the third day, blowing open the door of the tomb, blowing wide open the doors of the Hotel California, announcing that his wind will bring us home to mercy. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks this day that through hot words like Isaiah the prophet or John the baptizer, you bring us face to face with the truth that we have many gods that we've put our fear, love, and trust in. And we thank you that you've come as the merciful shepherd to gently lead us out of these prisons and into your peace, out of these bondages and into your freedom. Give us this mercy again today, we pray, and make us your people of mercy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's take a few moments of Advent quiet and